Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Praise the Lord. So we're going to continue from where we stopped uh, last week. It was an awesome time. On Wednesday we also spoke about um, the, the, the imprisonment of the law and the importance of the law. Oh, <laughs> I just remembered something. While I was taking a shower this evening, getting ready for service, you know the song, For your glory I will do anything. You know that song? By Tasha Cops? Yeah. And the song was playing from my iPad. It was playing uh, through the speakers just filled everywhere in my room and I was enjoying the music and then I got out of the bathroom and all of a sudden there was on my window one chicken (laughs) and the chicken inclined its ears to listen to the music and it was enjoying God's presence Amen (laughs) If chickens can enjoy God's presence why not you? Praise God Hallelujah. And then the song kept singing, For your glory I will do anything. And then it went on to say, I want to be where you are. I said, No. <laughs> this chicken is not going to be where I am. I've never seen a chicken in that compound. So I reached out to the corridor and I called my brothers to come see. And they came, they saw the chicken out there, balanced and listening to the music. You know? I've never seen a chicken in my compound before. I don't know where it came from. The presence of God is attractive, yeah? Yeah. Amen. Even the presence of God in your house will attract chickens. Will attract. (laughs) Praise God. The presence of God never drove people away. It always attracted people. Hallelujah. If your presence, if, if the presence of God in your life is chasing people away then I don't know what kind of presence that is the Bible says for to, for to God we are the fragrance of Christ say after me say I am the fragrance of Christ I dissipate Christ I express Jesus you know the, the nature of Jesus is a loving nature is a loving nature hallelujah amen Some of you have not smiled since you woke up this morning. Give your neighbor a smile. Okay? Give your neighbor a smile. Praise God. Have you seen the movie Three Idiots before? Have you seen the movie Three Idiots before? All is well. All is well. All is well. Tell your neighbor all is well. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. I mean, just enjoy God's presence. I mean, the chicken touched me. If chicken can enjoy, praise God. If chicken can enjoy God's presence, feel. Don't take advantage of the presence of God. Enjoy it. Amen. So we're going to go on um, to the scriptures right away. Let's start with, um, well, funny enough, I don't really have a prepared sermon, as it were. But I will just touch a few things, popular questions that people ask. 
that's regarding the gospel. I'll do that. Amen. So let's start with Jude chapter 1 verse 1. Jude chapter 1 verse 1. Well, Jude has just only one chapter, so let's say Jude 1. Jude 1. So Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Let's say it together. Our common salvation. Let's say it again. Our common salvation. Our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all right. Um, So let's do verse 3 again. We're going to read it together. Let's do verse 3 again. Let's go. One to go. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Look at your neighbor say, contend earnestly for the faith. Look at somebody else say, contend earnestly for the faith. Tell the person behind you, say, contend earnestly for the faith. Look front in, in, look, look in front of you and say to the person, contend earnestly for the faith. Now, say to yourself, I will contend earnestly for the faith. Now, I hope you know that when the Bible talks about faith here, he's not talking about faith to get things. He's not talking about faith as a tool to getting things, no. But here he's talking about your faith as regarding um, the grace of God, um, the gospel, um, the things of the entirety of Christ that grace brings you into. So that's the faith. So he's saying contend earnestly for the faith. Um, it will shock some of you to know that not everybody believes what you believe. Yeah, you need to go around and then check out several places. You will realize that not everybody believes what you believe. And there will be people who will come to you or people who will come in your space to talk about different kinds of ideology of what the scripture is. But you must contend earnestly for the faith. What is the faith? The faith is the gospel. That's the faith. The faith is the grace of God which the Bible speaks of that has brought you into salvation. That's the faith. So when Paul is also admonishing people, he's saying, O foolish Galatians, 
who have bewitched you, how would you begin by grace? And then, you proceed from grace to works. Say, contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. Fight for the faith. Be a soldier for the faith. Be aggressive about the faith. When you hear false doctrine, when you hear things that are not consistent to the teachings of the gospel, what is the gospel? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ Jesus, for it is what? The power of God unto what? Salvation. Contend for the faith. Earnestly. Don't be lukewarm about the faith. Don't be nonchalant about the faith. It might sound like those things that you hear come to your spirit passively. But you must fight for the faith. Because those things sow seeds into your minds. And then after a while, you begin to get confused as to where you stand as regarding the faith. You must contend for the faith. So please look at your neighbors and contend for the faith. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto what? Salvation to everyone who believes. Salvation is only received by believing. So contend for that faith. TSP, you hear what I'm saying? Salvation is only, you only come into salvation by believing. Contend for that faith. You don't come into salvation by working. Contend for that faith. That's your faith. That's, that's where you stand. It's amazing how um, we're all gathered here and some people began with us and then, then all of a sudden, you know, someone heard something that is completely off the gospel. Something that is not consistent with the gospel that Paul delivered, Jesus brought. And then swayed off. And all of a sudden, I I kept wondering to myself. I I thought this person was stable in the faith. But only for someone to come deceive you with the ideas of man. The ideologies of, or the philosophies of man. And take you out of the grace of God. You must contend for the faith. Hallelujah. We must. So now, look at, look at what the Bible says here. It says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. It says, our common salvation. Now, he's talking about the faith that was once delivered to them. So he's saying now, that something happened along the line. When I came to you, when... when Let me talk as Paul now. And let me say that these people are you guys. So let me say that when I came to you guys, all I did was to teach you guys Jesus Christ. All I did was to teach you the foundation. All I did was to teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then somebody came along the way and began to preach something else. And then some people got confused and were swayed off their persuasions. As regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And it's so easy how some people can just be swayed off. So that's what happened here. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now move, move to the next verse. Verse 4. It says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who... What does the Bible say? What, what's the word there? Say it after me. Say it loud. Turn. Who turn the grace of God into lewdness. Let me read. Let me show you what the Strong's um, dictionary of the word turn there means. So... Here it means for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Now the word turning here means metatithemi. I wish there was um, a strong dictionary to highlight it on the, um, the screen. So you can see it. Now let me tell you what metatithemi means. Metatithemi means to transpose. It means to exchange. It means to remove. So now, if you follow my um, understanding of this, the grace of God did not dwindle to something else. The grace of God did not degenerate to something else. The grace of God did not become something else. The grace of God was removed and something else was brought into the picture. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when the Bible here says that ungodly men who turn the grace of our God, he's not saying that ungodly men came to degenerate the grace or infiltrate the teaching of the grace of God. Because the grace of God is the grace of God. You know, I told you last week that you can't separate grace from truth. The Bible says that the law was given by Moses but grace and what? Truth came by who? By Jesus. So, there is nothing like preaching grace and trying to balance grace with truth. It is grace because it is truth. And it is truth because it is grace. And we also um, um, said last week that grace and truth is a person. Not just a message. Are you still here? So, here he's not saying that um, turning the grace of God means degenerating the grace of God. No. He's saying transposing. Now, to transpose means to take something away and then put something in place. Let's move to the next verse. See what what that grace, or see what that so-called... He said, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe... 
He destroyed those who did not what? Believe. Believe. Now, can I ask you a very um, pivotal question to um, the understanding of the gospel? What is the, what is the thing that gets you into heaven? Have you heard this statement before? All liars have their part in the lake of fire. All liars have their place in the lake of fire. Now, that suggests to you that those who lie or those who do will go to hellfire. But you see, that's not, that's not the gospel. That's not the faith that was given to you. So contend endlessly for the faith. Do you understand it? Contend endlessly for the faith. When you hear something, if it's not consistent to the gospel of grace, contend with it. And contend for the faith. So turning the grace of God does not mean the degeneration of the grace of God. It means the grace of God has been taken away and then something else was introduced. And that's why Paul said, let me show you something Paul else, I mean Paul said, something else he said, Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Paul an apostle not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Verse 2. It says, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Yeah, next verse. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Next verse. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Next verse. I marvel that you are turning. Now this word turning is the same word here, metatithemi, which means to transpose. So he's saying here that I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. What have you been called to, people of God? Let's say it loud. I've been called into the grace of Christ. Says. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So you see here the gospel was transposed. It's not the same gospel. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not the same grace. It's a different grace. The first grace that Paul introduced is the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now some people crept into the church and brought in something else. Contend for the faith. Maybe by happenstance, somebody comes here to TSP and then preaches. And when he's preaching, you are hearing a legal system. And you know that this is not what Pastor Phil has taught you. Contend for the faith. You're watching the TV. And then you hear pastors preach. You hear men of God teach the gospel. You hear men of God preach the Bible. You see, the Bible says, study to show yourself what? Approved. A workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to correctly divide the Bible. Correctly. How can you 
preach the Bible and not understand that there are two dispensations. Completely different dispensations. One dispensation is over. Another one has begun. So when you're hearing preaching, you must know what gospel is this. Praise God. You know, some of us, we pray prayer points and we're giving booklets that have prayer points. (laughs) I don't want to offend some people here, but you're giving booklets that have prayer points. And in the prayer points, those things take you back to works. You know, there is no grace in those prayer points. As a believer, the major thing you are praying about is your enemies. Content for the faith. The major thing you are praying about is Satan. You know what the Archbishop said? He said, if you give Satan attention, he will give you direction. Why are you giving the devil attention? Contend for the faith. Amen. So he says to a different gospel, verse 7. Which is not another It means that other gospel that those men introduced to you is not called the gospel. So there is only one gospel. Contend for the faith. Hallelujah. You are hearing some mind-boggling things for some people who are just coming. You've never heard this kind of stuff before. I implore you to go back like the Berean Christians and search diligently what the scriptures say. Contend for the faith. So it says, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's so difficult to accept the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is so simple. The gospel says that you don't need to do anything to be saved. All you need to do is to come by believing. It's hard to accept. It's difficult to accept. Let me show you something in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Is it 11? Yeah. Let's try 1 Corinthians 11 verse 4. I'm not sure if it's 1 Corinthians. Okay, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4. Second Corinthians 11 verse 4. Yeah, it says, For if he who comes... Preaches another Jesus. Another Jesus. Whom we have not preached. Or if you receive a different spirit. Which you have not received. Or a different gospel. Which you have not accepted. You may well put up with it. Go to the previous verse. It says, but I fear... Lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the word simplicity that is in Christ. From the word simplicity that is in Christ. Our problem is that the gospel is too simple for you. You see, the human flesh wants to do something. The human flesh wants to work. The human flesh wants to be told that, you see, if I tell you now that 
If you crawl from this place to that wall, or to the end of that wall, that there's a breakthrough that will come your way. And you will do it with devotion because you believe that working hard is what does it. Meanwhile, the Bible says all things are yours. He said the gospel is that simple. It's not that difficult. So contend for the faith. Look at your neighbor again and say contend for the faith. So the first question that I want to ask you today is Matthew chapter 7 verse from Matthew chapter 7 verse verse 13 verse 13 to 14 Matthew 7 verse 13 to 14 Now have you ever heard people say narrow is the way that leads to <laughs> And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by in it. It suggests to you that, because the Bible says narrow is the way. (laughs) We're all squeezing to maintain the path of heaven. (laughs) And because it's broad, there are so many people. So it means, you see this heaven... Because it's narrow, it's difficult to get in there. That's the mindset. The mindset many people have about narrow is the way and broad is the other way that leads to destruction is that because it's narrow, not so many people will get there. So you have to strive to be one of those who will get there. Is that not what you thought before? When I was growing up, that's what I thought. Narrow is the way. But broad is the other way. (laughs) And you know how when we do stuff, in your mind, you have switched from the narrow to the broad. You are careful not to enter the broad. (laughs) Praise God. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by the destruction path. Now let me explain this to you. The Bible speaks about, if you, if you, if you look at this scripture properly, you will see that there is the gate, there is the way, there is the destination, and there is the group of people in the way, in each of the ways. So let's start from verse 13. It says, enter by the narrow gate. So we, we found one gate, right? So the first gate is what? The narrow gate. Then, for wide is the gate. Now, we now move to the way. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. So the destination is destruction. Okay? For the broad way and also the broad gate. And there are many who go, by it, in, uh, who go, by, who go in by it. Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. So this is the confusion of many people. Difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So this is where people are having issues. 
When you read up the script, when you read up scriptures like this, fear, fear pricks your heart, and you wonder if you are in the narrow way. And you know, you may just ask yourself, "I hope I've not been deceiving myself, being in church, holding the microphone, and all of a sudden, when I get to heaven, Jesus tells me at the end of the day, you've been on the broad way." <laughs> Because the gate in which you came in was the broad gate. If you miss road. Let me explain what this means. What this means is when it comes to the path of life and the path of destruction. Jesus said narrow is the gate. He's talking about options, not sizes. He's talking about options. Now what he's indirectly trying to say is that there are many paths to destruction, but there is only one path to life. That's what he's saying. So when the Bible says narrow is the way, he's not saying the road is tiny. Okay, so let's start with the gates. Jesus says, I am the door. He is the gate. No man can come to the Father except by me. So he is the gate. Who is also the way? Jesus is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So here he's talking about options because he's putting. Um, He's putting in contrast the reality of the person of Jesus as your only option to life and the options of many other religions, man-made religions that are trying to get God. I hope you know religion is man's attempt to reach God. There are many of them. And even the Pharisees, you see, the Pharisees reduced the standard of the law. They couldn't keep the law so they pretended to be like they are keeping the law. But they reduced the standard of the law. Mankind has devised so many um, schemes, so many religions to reach God. But, but Jesus is saying, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way. Now, he says, there are few who find it. Let me show you something in Revelation chapter 7, verse 8. Revelation chapter 7, verse 8. says, of the tribe of Zebulon, um, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. This is about the 144,000. I don't have time to explain that. Most people believe that that number is symbolic. Yeah? Because there are many symbolic things in the text there. So it's not really a literal counting of 144,000 people. Let's move to verse 9. Now, I hope you remember that um, the previous scripture we just read said, there are few that find it, right? Now, let's see what this says. It says, after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, this heaven now, this heaven now, it says, behold, a great multitude which no one could number. Are you seeing this? It's the Bible. It's a great multitude which nobody could number of all nations, all tribes, meaning it wasn't just the Jews. So for those who are 
propagating that the one, only one 44,000 people will come into heaven, that's not a, a true theology because um, the one 44,000 people were only Jews. And they were only men. So are you trying to say there will be no women in heaven? Are you trying to say that the Gentiles have not come into the salvation plan? So the one forty-four thousand people who will make heaven doesn't make sense. But it says, after these things I looked and be, behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. How many of you believe that we are many that will make heaven? Are you getting what I'm saying? So when, when, they, when they say, they say there are only few that find it because narrow is the gate. Understand what he's saying. He's saying narrow is the gate because it's only one gate. He's saying it's broad gate because there are many gates that lead to one destruction. But it's only one gate that will take you to life. Hallelujah. So it says there are many, a great multitude. Lift up your hands and say, I'm one of them. I'm, them. I'm making heaven. I don't know. I'm making heaven. Hallelujah. There's a second question. Walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. So Pastor Phil, if you mean that um, you are brought into salvation and you go to heaven by what Jesus has done. What does the Bible say when it says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling? Now let's go to the scripture. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Now it says, therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. So this is where people have issues. Your own salvation. <laughs> yeah. What it means is that Jesus gave you visa. You have to now buy passport to go to heaven. <laughs> so he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So that means if you are not in the place of fear, you are not in the place where you tremble, you are likely not on the path to heaven. So let's, let's see the next verse. There's a semicolon there. Let's see the next verse. No, verse 13. It says, for it is God. So the Bible says you should walk out. But the next verse now says, but wait, it is God. Who works in you both to want to walk out. Who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So when you have the desire to want to serve God. You see friends, that desire did not necessarily come from you. He put it there. Hallelujah. So it says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let's analyze this. Like I've always said, how can you walk out what has not been walked in? You see, God cannot ask you to be righteous if he has not made you righteous. 
God cannot say, walk out if I cut your skin. Instead of blood coming out and I see sap, <laughs> I'll begin to bind and lose. But there is no sap that will come out because you are, you're human. You're not a tree. So, blood flows out of you because blood is in you. Now, can I ask you a question? The fact that you don't see the blood flowing, does that mean that the blood is not in you? As I'm standing right here now, can you see blood flowing through my veins? <laughs> Somebody was saying that when you pour water on this air, <laughs> and you turn like this, the water will now come out from the other ear. <laughs> so my brother now asked the question. He said, so when the water was passing, I'm sure you saw it through the eyeball as it was passing. <laughs> because you have spiritual eyes. You see, the fact that a barrel that is working and a barrel that is not working. The one that is working, what is it called? It's barrel. The one that is not working, what is it called? It's still barrel. A son that has sense and a son that does not have sense. The one that has sense is a son, yeah? Mm. <laughs> the one that doesn't have sense has not become a son. Still a son. Still a son. It's just that he's a foolish son. But he's still a son. So, God now said, you are righteous. And the one who is living righteously is a wise son. The one who is not living righteously is a foolish but son. Now, I'm trying to get you to understand that the qualification for heaven is never going to be about what you do. Have you ever heard people say, I don't want to take bitterness in my heart so I can make heaven. <laughs> because if I don't forgive him or I don't forgive her, <clears throat> I want to make heaven though. Have you heard that before? But they've forgotten what qualified them for heaven in the first place. Your going to heaven is not based if not God has failed. You know why? You see, the Bible says that he is just in justifying the ungodly. <laughs> what it means is that God is righteous in making the sinner righteous. The justice of God is expressed when he looks at the sinner and he says to the sinner, you have become righteous. So, if Jesus was punished for the sinner, and every punishment the sinner was supposed to have came on Jesus. Then it is only fair that God will look at the person Jesus died for and say you have been forgiven 
And I am no longer angry with you. So I hope you know now that there is the general call. And then there is the effectual call. The general call is the fact that the blood of Jesus speaks for every human being. You see that same blood that's, that, that speaks for you is the same blood that speaks for the unbeliever. But you see the only difference is that the unbeliever has not come to access his forgiveness. So I asked the question one day. I said, were you forgiven the day you asked God to forgive you? <laughs> so, were you forgiven the day you confessed your sins? Do you know that forgiveness never came by confessing sins? Forgiveness came by what Jesus did on the cross. So, I only access my forgiveness by putting my faith in the one who died for me. Hallelujah. So it says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to what? And to do of his good pleasure. So, I was also saying last week that in your mind, you must also differentiate between the things that take you to heaven and the things that qualify you for rewards in heaven. You must get that clear. So anything that has to do with what you do, Will, all, will only bring to you rewards. But it's only your faith that will take you to heaven. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Now it says, You therefore, my, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor say, Be strong. Now, see, I'm saying this because I saw how easy it is for somebody who I thought was standing on the gospel to shift, to completely shift grounds and has stopped believing the gospel. So I know what I'm saying. But look at your neighbor and say to your neighbor, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You will not deviate from the faith that was once given to you. You will contend for the faith. Let's move to the next verse. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to what? To teach others. I said to you um, early this year that one of the things I want you to come into is the ability to be able to teach grace and not bring confusion. So I want you to become teachers of grace. There are some of you who attend house fellowships that are infested with legal systems. Maybe you should stay there so you can help them see the light. But if you are becoming like them, or you are beginning to think like them, then you might need to leave there. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. You know, as a baby, you can eat anything, right? Anything that you see on the, on, on the floor goes to your mouth as a, as a child. But as an adult, you begin to pick your food. Choose your food. Choose what you eat. Don't just eat anyhow. There are some things I can't let pass through my ears. There are some books I can't even give somebody. Because I can't read it, I won't give you. 
Because those things are not consistent to the gospel and to the faith. Why will I take joy in deceiving you? Let's contend for the faith. Amen. My mentor, Pastor Wale, the one I learned um, the gospel under, um, he taught me how to hate what is not the gospel. At first I thought he was extreme. But he wasn't being extreme. He was only fulfilling scriptures. Now there's a difference between false teachers and ignorant teachers. Ignorant teachers are those who don't know. But they are preaching from what they think they know. But false teachers are those who know, but have chosen not to. They want to deceive people. Those are wicked people. They have gone the way of Balaam. That's what the Bible says. Do you know what the way of Balaam is? You know there are prophets in town for hire? That's the way of Balaam. Balaam, is, is, Balaam was a man's prophet. Balaam prophesied for individuals. You will hire him to prophesy. Prophet, prophesy. Labor. <laughs> I see. Every time I see, I see, I see. Genuine prophets, when they don't see, they, they don't say they see. Samuel, he said, the Lord has hidden this one from me. I have not seen this one. That's a genuine prophet. Not every time he has a word in his mouth. <laughs> every time there is a word in his every there is a word. Prophet, wake up. Prophesy for me. And then there is Bar waiting for you at the end of the day. That's the way of Balaam. It's the wrong path to go. And you know what? Many of them, they don't preach nothing. They will not take you through the scriptures. They will only stop from one place and when there is comma, let's, let's for example now, Uzo, I feel like calling you for this. <laughs> says, and the things that you have heard from me among many witness, comma, that's the end of the message. And then they go, ah, many witness. <laughs> Prophet, prophesy. See, <laughs> Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Contend for the faith. It's a commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Who will be able. Many of you, your, your parents are pastors. And because he's your father, there is a sentimental and emotional involvement because you know the truth and you can't fight. You say, let, let me advise you. What you do, you fight the, the, the doctrine. Don't fight the person. You understand? Your father, he, he probably is saying it because he doesn't know. I thank God for my dad. He came to the knowledge of this gospel. Can you imagine after, after how many years, after like 16 years of being in the gospel, 16 years of being in the gospel. JB knows. That's why he's clapping. We all grew up together in Kano. 16 years of being in the law. Sorry. <laughs> and then one day he comes out and then he says, I'm so sorry guys. You know, I have to start the gospel with you again afresh. Because what I've been teaching you is not the gospel. Do you know this? God gave him... 
Yeah, if you want to clap, clap well, because since I didn't ask you to clap, clap well. Yes. God gave him this mission statement in 1981 or thereabout, unfolding the mystery of the gospel of Christ and expressing grace for dominion. 1981 or thereabout, I'm not so sure. But at that time, he didn't know what this meant. He didn't know what it meant. Unfolding the mystery of the gospel. What gospel was he unfolding? Let me me tell you the gospel he unfolded. (laughs) I'm glad he's not here. Amen. (laughs) There was a guy who bought a brand new Volvo. You see, because as a believer, you can't be fixed with material things. Your souls are perishing and you're buying new Volvo. (laughs) He suspended him. My father made many people throw their TVs to the river. Why? Because the TVs are the devil's box. My father will make, he will suspend you because your shoes are shining. There are many of us who are in the law here. here. You see this man, Tola? You see Tola? Tola, please stand. God has saved Tola. When Tola was in school, Tola was a lawyer. Let me expose you a little bit now, bro. Tola was a lawyer. He will walk into prayer meetings and when he see people, he say, I smell sin here. Yes. But now, he's in the gospel. Hallelujah. God has saved Tola. I used to be like that. If you don't fall when I was praying, then the spirit has not moved. Me? Why would you fall when I'm praying? When I look at the lady, I say, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Ask Pastor Ideal. Where was Pastor Ideal coming from? It's this exposure time now. Pastor Ideal, he was president of CFI Uniport. And then it was his dispensation. And what did he do? He got everybody to wear a t-shirt. And behind the t-shirt was written. Come on, keep quiet, my friend. Behind the t-shirt was written, Repent now or never. At the back of the t-shirt. Pastor Ideal. Repent now or never. Pastor Ideal. But this man has come into grace. Praise God. (laughs) Pastor Paul was a sovereign army (laughs) Finally he's he's in grace now Amen Amen Amen. No Pastor Salah Pastor Salah was born like Jesus Amen. Amen Praise God Some of you read funny bulletins some of you, your, your devotional, you hear Pastor Phil preach, and then when you go back to read your devotional, it takes you back to the law. You have my permission to, to do away with those. Yeah, if what you're reading is taking you back to the law, you don't need it. If what you're doing is making you walk conscious for your salvation, you don't need it. You don't. 
Stay with the Bible. Stay with the gospel. Stay with Christ. Pastor Wally taught me how to despise what is not the gospel. Especially when it's coming from people who know what they're doing. I, I won't stand it. Why? Because we are contending for the faith. It's not a joke. So he says, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Next verse. You therefore must endure hardship as good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now when you, when you read this, you get confused a little bit. You're like, um, I must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What does this mean? This means that I have to strive for my salvation because I'm a soldier. Next verse. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Have you seen where people use the scripture to flog their, their members? You can't be on your way to heaven. And engage yourself with the affairs of life. That he may please him who (laughs) enlisted him as a soldier. (laughs) Next verse. (laughs) And also if anyone competes in athletics. Now, you see, Paul now begins to direct your mind to what he's talking about here. He's saying now that this is not a competition for making heaven. This is a competition for rewards. That's why here he mentions crown. So he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So he say, as a believer, someone tells you as a believer, if you don't stay with the rules of the Christian faith, you will lose your salvation. That's not what the Bible is saying, my friend. Next verse. Says the hardworking farmer must be first, must be first to partake of the crops. Next verse. Now move to um, let's move to twenty four. This is not where I'm going though, but let me read it. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Move on. Let's move on. Let me use my iPad to um, locate the part that I'm looking for. Second Timothy 2. Look at your neighbor say, content for the faith. Hallelujah. So let's do verse um, verse twenty. Verse twenty. Yes, it says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor, and some for what dishonor. Here the Bible is saying in a great house. Okay, so you are in the house. When the Bible says in the house, it means in the body of Christ, in the church. It's talking to church people here. So it says in the great house, there are many vessels 
um, the, the vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So how would you say, I mean, Pastor Phil, why are you saying that in, in the house of God there are some vessels that will come and that will bring dishonor? Yes, it's possible. It's possible. You see, the sanctification process is a journey. I've taught you this before, that you were saved, past tense, you are being saved, present continuous tense, and you will be saved, future tense. So these are the three phases of salvation. And you have been saved is redemption. Alright? You are being saved is sanctification. And you will be saved, glorification. So in the sanctification process, some people are not as fast. They have not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit for the outworking of the sanctification process. So some people don't experience um, um, the display of the life of Christ in their lives as compared to others. But ultimately, we will be saved at the end of the day. So you have been saved, your spirit man is regenerated and you are as Jesus is. Jesus is no more righteous than you are at that time when you have been saved, past tense. Your righteousness is as his righteousness. In the past tense of salvation, you are as righteous as Jesus is righteous. In the past tense of salvation, you have been justified and you are not a sinner. In the past tense of salvation, you are declared godly. You are declared holy. You have been made holy. But in the present tense of salvation, there is a walking of your outward life to conform to, the, um, to what your inward life has been made by God. So that is ongoing and that is the renewing of your mind. Because your mind has to be renewed. And that's why when you give your life to Christ, sometimes you do bad things still. Why? So now if you're saying to me, Pastor Phil, what's the explanation of doing something bad after I have crucified the, the old man that is the body of sin? It's very simple. I mean, if you had a phone before and you had one password in your phone, and the moment you change your password, sometimes when you're trying to type in the new password, you mistakenly type in the old password because your mind is used to the old password. Does that make sense? So that's the way it is. When you are born again and you are living the life of Christ as, as expressed by the working of the Holy Spirit, sometimes you will fall. Is anybody who was saved here, uh, since you were saved, you've never sinned before? You're here. You, since you got, the day you gave your life to Christ, you've never sinned once from that time till now. Please, can, can I celebrate you? <laughs> can I see your hands if you, are, if you are there? You see, so at one point in time, one point we will sin. But you see, um, we do that because our minds are not yet renewed. So it is the renewing of your mind now that brings you into consciousness of who your spirit is. And then the future salvation of your body is where your, your um, corruptible body is exchanged for the incorruptible. At that point when Jesus comes, the second coming of Jesus, um, your body is now become glorified. That's the future tense of salvation. So he says, in a great house, there are many who bring dishonor. There are many good people, there are many bad people in a house. 
that is great in the church, in the body of Christ. So let's move on. Verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the later, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and used, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Verse, verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Hallelujah. So here he's talking about the reward clearly. 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 Let me show you one more scripture that speaks on reward. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. First Corinthians 3, verse 10. Now it says, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Somebody say the foundation. What is the foundation? Jesus Christ. What is the foundation? The faith. What are you contending for? The faith. The foundation is the gospel. That's the foundation. So he says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Verse 11. Now you see the category of works in the next verse. How some people with their sins and their covenant sins build profitable works, how some people in the same house of God are just foolish and not responsive to the things of God. So you see the categories of works here. So for, for no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Is that correct? So we are done. We have settled the foundation. Somebody said the foundation is settled. My foundation is sure. Say after me. Say my foundation is Jesus Christ. Nothing changes that. But, but look at the next thing. The next thing here now says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation, what is the foundation? Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, high quality, high core. Another with silver. Another with precious stones. Another with wood. Another with hay. Another with even straw. There are some people whose buildings are straw. Now you know. <clears throat> you see, that's why when you're serving God, make sure you understand the reason why you're here. Now, can I, can I tell you, you see, some of you think that the foundation is your pastor. Some of you think that the foundation is the people who are in church. If you're going to build on that, you will never serve. If you don't understand what it will cost you to effectively serve, then you will never serve. If you, if you know that your service to God is going to produce for you rewards, and there is nothing you do that is unnoticed, you will do it from your heart, without compulsion. Hallelujah. You will do it from your heart as one who understands why he or she is doing it. Paul says, who is me if I don't preach the gospel? He knew he had to preach the gospel. Because in the first place, the gospel doesn't put you in the place where you boast. So why would I preach about something that doesn't make me boast? So who is me if I don't preach the gospel? So he says, some build with wood, hay, straw. Then let's move to the next verse. Next verse, please. 
says, each one's work will become clear. You see all these things we are doing? A day is going to come where the work or your work will become clear. It will be brought clear by fire. That's what the Bible says. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Ask your neighbor, what sort is your work? I hope yours is not clay. Uh-huh. No, I didn't get, a, I didn't get an answer. And <laughs> tell your neighbor he's not talking about me. Maybe you. <laughs> Next verse. If anyone's work which he has built on it. What is the it? On the what? On the foundation. So there are two things here now. The foundation and the work. Work includes lifestyle. Work includes service. Work includes attitude. Work includes how you take the things of God. But that's not the foundation. The foundation is Jesus. So you must understand when people are teaching you the Bible, you must know what applies to what. If they connect your work to your ultimate salvation, which is making heaven, then you know you are in the wrong place. If, 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 if someone ever suggests to you that there is a connection between your making heaven with what you do, you are in the wrong place and simple. So let's move to the next verse. He says, if anyone's work is burned, he will do what? He will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. You see, your salvation is not based on your works. He says, even you will be saved, but you are going to suffer loss. He's talking about rewards here. It's not talking about salvation. Next verse. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You see, the Bible here did not say, know ye not that you were the temple of the Spirit of God. You see, some people think that when they fell into sin, the Spirit of God left them. No, the Spirit of God didn't leave you. The Holy Spirit is still there. And He will keep talking to you that you are righteous. Because if you know you are righteous, you walk accordingly. You act accordingly. So it says that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Next verse. If anyone defies the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, you are not anyone... Did you hear me? You are not anyone. Here. He said, for if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. You are not that person. He said, for the temple of God is holy. He now comes to who you are. He says, which temple you are. He was asking them a question before. He said, know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells with you. Because he heard there was sin in the church. 
He never said, know ye not that your bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus is more powerful than the law. Jesus is more powerful than sin. What did the law say? He said, if you touch a leper, you're going to become unclean. Jesus touched lepers. And he was not unclean. It means Jesus is stronger than the law. In fact, the leper became clean. (laughs) Next verse. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. There are some of you who are struggling with the grace of God. You are struggling with this grace message. You are too wise for God. You have not come to the simplicity of the gospel. Say, Pastor Phil, this thing you are saying, let's look at it technically. Okay, bring your brain. Let's engage logically. Don't be too wise for God. By this time, you ought to be a preacher of grace. Hallelujah. Next verse. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. Next verse. And, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Hallelujah. Have you heard this question? Without holiness, no man shall see God. Issues. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. Without holiness, no man shall see God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. It says, pursue peace with all people. And holiness, another translation says, and be sanctification. Without which no one will see the Lord. Look at this scripture very well. It says, pursue peace with all people. See, uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me employ you. This, this is one of the scriptures that kept me growing up. You know, um, I can't leave a day going by knowing that I've offended someone and not try to make up with the person. The Bible says, pursue peace with all men. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Pursue peace. Pursuing peace is not passive. You know, there are some people who say, I'll wait for peace to come to me. No, you say, go after peace. Go after peace. You say, pursue peace with all men. All men. It's not just talking about Christians. It's not just talking about believers. It's not just talking about your brothers, your sisters. Pursue peace with all men. Be an active follower of peace. Be a peacemaker. As says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now this is what this scripture means. The Bible here is not saying that um, if you don't have holiness as a believer, you won't see God. That's not what they say. But here he's saying that pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord in you. Do you understand it? See, people can't see God in you if you're not expressing holiness. God already knows that you're holy because he made you holy. But your neighbor doesn't know. 
So that's why he's saying pursue peace. He's talking about your relationship with people here now. He said pursue peace with people. And your sanctification. By which without that nobody will see God. It means for me to see God in you. You have to be living the life. That's what he's saying. Not saying without, if, if you don't do that, you won't go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. If you read some commentaries, it will suggest to you the opposite. But if you read other commentaries, so people have conflicting ideas on this scripture. The Bible says, let your light so shine. Huh? Before who? That all men may what? See and glorify who? Your father in heaven. He said, let your light shine. Men need to see the light. God does not need your light. So men need to see that light. There are people who you put them somewhere, you can't believe they are Christians. In fact, since you got born again, there is no recorded change. <laughs> you, know, you know the real people who can attest to your change? Your family members. <laughs> We grew up in the past. In, in, we grew up in, in, in the home of ministers. My parents, both parents, were, are, are ministers. But the day my brother got touched, my brother, I knew. <laughs> First of all, everything in the shelf was cleared off. Tupac, Jay Z, every, everything went. I noticed that. Nate wasn't bouncing like before. His trouser wasn't here like before. Something had changed about him. As if your family members can't attest to your change. They can't see God in you. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what the scripture is saying. Say, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I'm not trying to make holiness a light issue. No. I'm trying to only make you realize that the foundation is you don't add anything to the foundation to qualify you to heaven. Now when the Bible was saying that your works that were built on the foundation will be burnt. Can I ask you a question? Can you burn foundation? Yes, that's Rema. You can't burn foundation. You can't burn the Christ that you are standing in or standing on. You can't. You can't. You can't burn your foundation. Jesus said, he was praying. He said to God, he said, all the people you've given me, no one has left. Even when the devil came, he couldn't pluck them out of my hands because you keep them in my hands. The only person who is lost is the son of perdition. That the scriptures may be fulfilled. So there is nothing you do that can take you out of Jesus Christ. To him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless. So you can't burn foundation. Be secured. There were many whose names were written in the book of life. Yours is there. 
about going to heaven, be secured about that. That should not produce a, a sense of lasciviousness or a sense of lethargy on your sanctification process. No. But that gives you the assurance of your salvation. It says Christ in you, the hope. Have you thought about that? I, I, I need to know that I am making heaven now. It's not something I'm not sure about. I'm sure about it. Why? Because this is Christ in me. The hope of glory. If I have Christ in me, then I have hope for glory. That's what the Bible says. Let me show you one scripture that, that, that agrees with this. For those of you who don't believe me. 1 Corinthians 15.34 1 Corinthians 15.34 I know my time is up, but let me just wrap up with three more scriptures, then I'll be done. He said, I wake to righteousness and do not sin. Look at your neighbor and say, I wake to righteousness. Now, when the Bible says, I wake to righteousness, he's not saying, come alive to righteousness. He's talking to believers here. So he says, I wake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Does that make sense to you? It says that if you come to righteousness, others will have the knowledge of God. But he says, the reason why some people have not come to righteousness is because you are sleeping on the issue of righteousness. Now, I'm not talking about righteousness by nature, but the expression of holiness by without which no man shall see God in you. So he says, I speak this to your shame. Do you understand it? Yeah. So he says, I wake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. The Spirit of God showed me the scripture and he tallied with that. I'm like, oh God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Nobody showed me this. I just stumbled on it while I was searching the scriptures. So I wake to righteousness. And do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Look, it's shameful if people around you don't know God. Why? Because your lifestyle ought to preach to them. Your lifestyle ought to preach to them. So that's what that scripture means. For without holiness, no man shall what? See God. Are you, does, it, does it talk about heaven? Hmm? Answer me yes or no. Does it talk about heaven? Does it talk about hellfire? What does it talk about? It talks about seeing God in you by the people around you. That's what he's saying. Lastly, one last question. So, Pastor Phil, are you trying to say that if I die now, and before I died, five minutes before I died, I committed sin, I try to say I will go to heaven. Do you know after I have finished preaching this hot message now, you see this one question can confuse you. Because your mind is still stuck with the law. So are you trying to say now that if I die, and sin is found in me, I will still make heaven. 
Does God like sin? Does God hate sin? What has God done to sin? He has dealt with sin. How did he deal with sin? By punishing Jesus. So why will he punish you again? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Let's read this together. Look up the multimedia screen. So we're going to read it together. One to go. And be kind to one another. No, no, no. Read, read with the heart. Read with the heart. Come on, let's go. One to go. And be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. So are you forgiving? Are you forgiving? If you are forgiving, say, yes, I am. Look at your neighbor say, you are forgiving. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God. Another version says, for Christ's sake has forgiven you. There are some people who struggle to believe they have forgiveness. That if you, if you don't confess your sin, you can't get forgiveness. That's where the Roman Catholics get it wrong. That if you don't confess your sins, you know my mouth is big and this message goes around. I hope you know. A lot of people download this message from SoundCloud and when I say things, I say them unapologetically. Why? Because my authority is from the word. Amen. If anybody wants to challenge it or fight it, let's challenge it with the word. Let the word speak for itself. You confessing to a pastor doesn't guarantee your forgiveness. But there is a place for, the Bible says confess to one another. That speaks of where there is a fault. Okay, an offense that has happened between two people. And for the sake of relationship, I need to confess my fault to one another. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you hinge salvation on confession, there's a problem. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you don't, you don't hinge confession. No. The Bible says confess your sin. And then he's faithful and just to forgive you. You see, that's not for the believer. The Bible says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What are you confessing? The Lordship of Jesus. That's what you confess. So when you confess your faults before the Lord, you're not confessing your faults to receive forgiveness because you already have it. But what you are probably doing, you see, the Bible says that, I don't want to go into this. First John chapter 1 verse 9. It says we have an advocate with the Father. Okay? Now, the, the first John 1 John 1.9 talks about if you confess your sin. But and the, another scripture says we have an advocate with the Father. Your Father is a lawyer. But if your Father is the lawyer, or let me put it this way, sorry, if your Father is a judge, the sentence is more in favor of you because the judge is your father. So the judge is on your side. Jesus is on your side. The accuser is not on your side. 
But the lawyer, the advocate, is on your side. So it says we have an advocate with the Father. Which means that if you confess your sins before God, it is not for you to receive forgiveness. But it's only for you to express how you feel to Him. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But not for you to be forgiven. You have been forgiven. It is only for you to express how you feel. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace. That you might what? Obtain mercy and find grace for help in the time of need. So you might be needy of help for a particular thing in your life. So when you are confessing that, you are not confessing for forgiveness. You are coming to your father for help so that you don't do that again. It's different from saying, I'm receiving forgiveness from my father. Because we have been forgiven already. Hallelujah. First John 5.16, last scripture. First John 5.16. It says, if anyone sees his brother sin in a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask... And he will give him life. For those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin not leading to death. So you see. The sin that leads to death. Is the one that takes you away from your foundation. But I have, there are different opinions on that because, like I believe, nobody can take you out of the fold. If you are part of the elect, you can't be plucked out. That's my stand. That's my stand. So there's a sin that leads to death. There's a sin that does not lead to death. The sin that does not lead to death is the one that doesn't tamper with your belief. That's a sin that doesn't lead to death. But you see, there's a deception of sin. So the Bible talks about those who have tasted godly powers. Those who have tasted the scriptures. Those who have tasted the light of the gospel. It's impossible for them to believe and come back to the light again. So you see, when the Bible says that, he says, taste. It is a drink. It's not talking about those who drank of it. So it's possible they were not really part of those who believed. I'm speaking deeper now. And I don't want to go there. But you need to believe that your sins have already been forgiven. Hallelujah. Just bow down your hands and thank God for the fact that your sins are forgiven. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.